Malachi 4. Amen. We've seen Elijah the prophet. It's changed our lives. It's turned our hearts back. Why shouldn't we shout about that? Why shouldn't we praise the Lord about that? Amen. We got something to be excited about and rejoice about. Amen. We're the people of the resurrection. The people of the book. We have an inheritance. We're people that's been called for this age and this time. We have a purpose. And God has a plan for our lives. Amen. We're stepping right into that plan. Yes. Amen. Each step we take, we know he's guiding us. He's leading us. Maybe today you're just looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I just need to know which direction to go? Well, I'm just going to tell you right now what direction to go. Forward. Never backwards. Never to the right or to the left. Just stay with the message. Amen. Walk right on with him. Take another step. Get a little closer. Move a little higher. Experience more than you've ever experienced. Let the zeal of the Lord eat you up this morning. The zeal of the Lord, the zeal for his house. Amen. Let it be so zealous it causes you to repent of every other thing. Let every other thing go. Your own ideas, your own ways. Let the word of God have preeminence in you. Amen. Today we want to go to the Lord and we want to ask his blessings today upon the word as we would read it. Maybe you got a need in your life today. You just say, Jesus, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. I need you, Lord. Will you just come by my way? Speak to me in a very special way. I pray that he'll do it today. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord. Father, we just want to express our love to you. I remember... Lord, when you turned my life around just as a young child and made me realize I had a father. Oh, that father, he's my comforter, my strength. He's the one, Lord, that's my companion, my strength giver. My encouragement comes from him. And I'm looking to you today, Lord. There are many that reached out to you with a hand that was lifted said, I need you to come pass by my way today. I pray that you'll minister to them in a special way. Not only to the seen audience, but the many that are just joining with us from foreign lands everywhere and throughout the states and Canada. 
every need, Lord, you know their needs. Some of them are shut-ins. They can't go. and They're up, uh, up in age and sickness has got a hold of their body. And, and they would love to be here. And if they were here, they'd love to trade places with any complacent one. They'd love to be here to be able to lift their voice and praise one more time to express their love back to God one more time in the service in the company of his saints. I pray, Lord, even in their solitude, as they reach out to you and their voice is lifted, you'll speak to them in a special way today. Let them know they're not forgotten. Let them know that you're ever near and ever able to meet their need. I pray, Lord, for those that are sick and convalescent. Lord, I remember some years back when a little little sermon that we preached reached a, a little mother that was dying and laying in bed dying and in that moment faith came into her heart and she heard the word she raised from there and still alive today for the glory of God Lord I, I remember another hearing the word preached and have an insulin dependent diabetes. And there was about to lose a, a limb. And you, Lord, in your mercy, stirred her heart to believe as you heard the word preached. Lord, your word is still the truth. And as the word goes forth today, it can cause faith to rise in the hearts of your children. Lord, we want to thank you for every miracle, sign, and wonder you did in the past. We want to thank you for Elijah the prophet and how you used him and glorified your name through him. But Lord, we need a present tense God today. And we're asking, Lord, that you just come by our way and speak to our hearts. As the word of the Lord goes forth, may it just touch the hearts of your children. Meet every need, Lord. There be someone lost. And there are. Backslidden away from you cold and different maybe this today they turn around but they really can then testify what the Lord has done for them I ask it in Jesus name amen amen God bless you may he bless his word as we read it this morning if you'd like to turn with me to Revelation chapter 1 we'll read from the ninth verse amen and I want to give a special welcome to Brother Leo Chambliss back there. God bless you, Brother Leo. Amen. I, I was wanting to give you a special welcome this morning, a special greeting. Good to have you, Sister Janet, in church with us today. And all of you that has assembled together with us, amen, the guests that's in our midst already from the Ron Colley family coming in and, and different others that, that are here already. Um, well, it's Thanksgiving, so... You know, we have uh, different ones that uh, get to come in and, and be a part with us today. So we're really f- happy to have you. It makes our Thanksgiving even greater. Amen. To have the saints of God gathered together with us. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, 
the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of God, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass as they burned in a furnace, and his voice had the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, out of the, uh, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me these wonderful words, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. God bless you. As you're seated, we're going to be speaking on this morning on the resurrected people. I hope to get a little more into this passage of Scripture as I've read it for several services, but that's okay. We, the Word of God is eternal. It never grows old. It doesn't spoil. Amen. It even will keep to the next service. Amen. So God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We won't be having a Wednesday night service this uh, Wednesday and because of Thanksgiving holiday coming up on Thursday and uh, many are traveling and uh, others um, making preparations. But, you know, we have so much to be thankful for and remember what it's all about as we gather together with our family and friends and and uh, maybe if you know someone here that doesn't have family that can gather somebody that would be left out, well, invite them to your home. And we do that every year ourselves. It, you know, we practice what we preach. So anyway, it's, um, it's always good to be together with God's people. And we're looking to the Lord today. Now, as we have read this wonderful scripture this morning, and I think in light of the coming resurrection of the dead that we should all anticipate and look forward to. The Apostle Paul asked the question, where, O death, is your your victory? Or where, O death, is your sting? And that's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. And whatever our complete victory, it is a refilling of the Holy Ghost that gives us that victory. That refilling is the dynamics that raises the dead and raptures us into glory. As Brother Branham told us in the, the great message, What Shall I Do With Jesus Called Christ? The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Spirit that we have worked in a small measure while the headstone is coming down to unite with the body. But when that head and body unites together, the full power, of the Holy Ghost would raise her up just exactly like that. Even the dead that's dead in Christ for hundreds of years ago will rise in the beauty of his holiness and take a flight to the skies. The dynamics is the Holy Spirit. So the church should be under expectation. 
anticipating not just the coming of the Lord, but this refilling of the Holy Ghost that he said that would come, that would be the dynamics or the firepower that would lift us off of earth into glory. And it's something that we should be praying and and seeking and asking and desiring with all of our heart. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how great a portion of the Holy Spirit you've already experienced, it ought to be a call within the heart, Lord, I I want a refilling of that same spirit. Because it's going to take a refilling of that to lift the church out of earth into glory. Amen. And all of us should be able to recognize the need in our own lives for more of God. I think that's one of the great uh, evidences of the Holy Spirit in one's life is this insatiable desire for more of him. Something that cannot be satisfied with one meeting or just even one time at an altar or one time in prayer or a couple of times or a couple of experiences along the way. But something that once you get a taste of him. You just want more of him. You want to experience him in a greater way. It's Enoch's walk. You're taking a progression. You're going another step. You want another adventure. You had a taste of him, but you got to have some more of what you already got. Amen. And the the prophet of God told us it will be a sound from heaven with such a powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit that will take the bride into glory. As Brother Branham told us in Three Kinds of Believer, that's the reason I believe when the bride is called out and elected and set in the book of life, there will come a sound from heaven that will take such a baptism of the Holy Spirit into that bride that will take her from the earth in a rapturing grace. God promised it. I don't care how many science or how many astronauts they signed up and everything else and how many million miles they can see. I don't care nothing about that. There is a heaven. And there is a literal Jesus Christ there that will come in a body form to receive his church to himself. No matter how old the story seems, it's still the truth. God said so. That's what believers believe. Amen. And today, I believe that with all of my heart as a believer. And looking at what he said, a sound from heaven with that it takes such a baptism of the Holy Spirit into that bride that it take her from the earth into in a rapturing grace. What a promise that is. Do you realize today that opens up a great opportunity to you for more of the Holy Ghost than you ever had in your life? Amen. For the experience that you have to be enlarged, become greater. Amen. Whatever, whatever experience you may have experienced him only in justification, forgiveness of sin, or sanctification, the cleansing of some habits, and you realize you need a real filling of the Holy Ghost, then that is wonderful and necessary, and it is the token. It is the requirement for the leaving here. It's the ticket, amen, to this great rapture. It's the Holy Ghost. The token is the Holy Ghost, and you must have it. Amen. It's not a book. It's not a tape. It's an experience. It's where you meet Almighty God, and God comes in your life, and it saturates your being, and it changes you. It gives you a new heart. It gives you a new spirit. It puts God's Holy Spirit in you, and you and God become one together. 
Hallelujah. Amen. And in that oneness, you see, I want more of that Jesus. I want more of that God. I want to experience it more. No, we're not like Laodicea that says I've had all I want, but there's something down that burns on the inside. I've got to have more of him. I must have more of Jesus than what I've ever experienced. I cannot afford to be a mossback Christian. That's like an old turtle that's been out there so long in the water, he's just turned green with moss. Amen, but I want to be something more than that. Amen, I don't want to be a moss back, backslidden, cold and different. As Brother Bradham said, this bride will not be a lukewarm. She will by no means be a Laodicea. She will not be a Christ rejecter, but she will be one who welcomes the unwelcomed Christ. Well, Brother Tim, I just don't believe this thought of Jesus coming and ever I see him and there be plane crashes and car wrecks and pandemonium everywhere. And Well, let me just say that scenario is not even the rapture. When Jesus catches away his bride, it's like Romeo and Juliet. He comes and steals her away in the night. It's a secret rapture of the church. And no, the, church, the world will not see the sainted dead. Nor will they see the Lord who we meet in the air. Amen. But the rapture is not the only coming of Christ that this end time will experience. Because he will come back again with his saints. You see, Brother Branham taught us there are three comings. He came first to redeem a bride. Then he'll come for his bride. And then he'll come back with his bride. And of course, there are two of those comings that are promised in this last day. Amen. In fact, they're not very far apart. With a three and a half year tribulation, they're only three and a half years apart. So you see, when, when he comes back with his saints, then ever I will see him. And the world will, that we know will come to a complete stop. Yeah, cars, airplanes, missiles will all come to a screaming halt and to come crashing down as the earth burns for the millennial reign. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, for, more, for Noah's day, there was water in the firmament that came pouring down even as fountains of the deep broke through the surfaces. And next thing you know, a whole world was destroyed with water. Amen. We're right here at the third state of, stage of redemption. Amen. Where, where that, that there is going to be a, a fire. It'll be a preliminary fire for the, for the cleansing of the earth for the millennium in preparation for the great coming of the new heavens and new earth a thousand years later. But even, even then, the, the world will catch on fire and the, 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 the heavens as we know already are filled with flammable gases. And one day the heavens will melt with a fervent heat. Amen. Now that's why we can look away today from all that's temporary around us so that we can get a glimpse and we can see into the eternals. Now those whose hope is in remaining here are desperately trying to fix it. They're trying through politics. 
they're trying to making preparations of, you know, for food storage or money or, or sometimes gold or something, you know, or guns. And, you know, they're, they're making all kinds of preparations because they're trying to stay here. That is not the goal of the believer. Amen. We are trying to leave here. And that's what our heart is, is not on staying. Our heart is on leaving. Even every preparation we make in this life's journey is on leaving here. People live for the moment. They live for the time. They live for the day. But we are people who are living for eternity. Because our life is much larger than what it is, than this temporal life here. Now, as Brother Branham tells us, and I'm going to read some quotes from a sermon called Mother's Day. And he says, faith does not place itself upon the shifting sands of what it can see. Faith rests solemnly upon the unmovable rock of God's eternal word. For by faith, said the scripture, she did this. And he's referring to how that Moses' mother put the baby into the waters. And he said, faith can take a stand on the rock that the waves that are beating the foundations out and look straight in the face of death and know that it'll be just in a little bit But faith can look across the sea to him that said, I am the resurrection and the life. And fail to even hear the waves dashing. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I I think in that moment so many times, the saints of God embrace that moment. They have a zealous anticipation. I remember when my wife was, was passing. You know, before that time, she, uh, you know, in the months preceding, she was afraid to be alone. And I was on a really short leash. And, and she didn't want me out of her sight. And, I, you know, I felt like I was almost her security. She was always afraid something was going to happen. And, and, and she wanted me right there and, and all of that. But when she come down to that moment... When we sat together with our last conversation, and I said, Karen, I don't know when we're, going, when we're going to leave. I said, I may go before you, but I said, you know, you've got another brain bleed, and you may go. And I said to her, I said, I, I, I believe I know the answer. I'm sure I do. But I just want to hear you say it. Are you ready to go meet the Lord? She looked at me with clear eyes. And she, you know, facing some very serious moments. And she said, Tim, yes, I am prepared to meet the Lord. That's the way you want to go. And just the day day before she would leave, this woman that's been laying comatose for two weeks in a bed hasn't moved a muscle. Laying there in a bed and, and even with the, the, the drawbars drawn up except the one that, you know, at the end where you can get out because it's illegal to, to close all the doors or all the bars on the bed. It's called, um, what would it be called? Entrapment. Anyway, they, they, they keep, a, they keep a, a bar down and even when the patient is alone. And there about, about three o'clock in the morning, 
This wife of mine who has not spoke, has not moved, has not talked, has not opened an eye, has not moved a muscle for two weeks, somehow or another slides down out of the bed, comes right down, puts her feet on the floor, slides down on the floor and lays over and they find her there in the floor. What was it? She was anticipating a release. Without fear, she could look into the eyes of death and embrace it. Amen. She could reach for a theophany that was coming near her. As heaven was drawing near and and earth was beginning to recede and, and darken and fade away, here she reached for that which is eternal where you never die, where there's never no sickness, where all is light because there is no night. Amen. Because in his presence there is no darkness or shadow of turning. You see, in a moment like that, when the waves are, are beating and death is coming in, faith can stand like a solid rock. Knowing I know my Redeemer lives. I'm prepared to go into his presence. Brother Branham, they complained to him, apparently, because someone said, To him, you preach too much on the resurrection. And he said, they said, most every message has got something about the resurrection. And he said, why, sure, it's the cardinal. That means the fundamental resting place of the gospel. No matter what he did, if he did not rise again from the dead, then it was all in vain. It to me proves that he was God. It proves every claim he had made, the resurrection. And, and it also is a place of the resting of the soul. It is the starting point. It is the crowning of our consolation. And when we see that he raised from the dead, it places us. Oh my. When we see he's alive, that he's risen from the dead. When we see he's alive, it places us with the gospel armor at the battlefront to take the place to fight. For we know, he said, he that will lose his life for my sake shall find it again. Hallelujah. Amen. When we can see he's alive, it places us with the armor to stand out there and fight. Because we can fight for a conqueror. Amen. We're not fighting for a defeated one. We are fighting for a mighty conqueror. And he said, I think it's a great coordination of the full gospel. It is the resurrection and it's the it's divine promises and the consolation that it gives those who are trusting it. For it promises the great union of our uniting together again. It promises then the fading away of all sin. It promises the fading away of all deformity. All the sufferings that we did have and have go through, it promises all the vanishing of it all. It promises even death will lose its hold. And we'll rise in the likeness of Jesus. So my opinion, the, the resurrection is the greatest of all the promises in the things of the scripture. That's where it sealed it. And the last Easter, I was preaching these five things, and you remember this because we are tape listeners. Living, he loved me. 
Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. But rising, he justified freely forever. Amen. And someday, he's coming. Oh, glorious day. And that's the day, he said for me, that great day of days to see what it meant to it means to all of us in the resurrection as we labor and wait for that blessed day of days. It gives the promise that someday these old weakling, weakening, feeble, gray-headed, broke-down mothers and dads will be changed. Not only will mothers sit there by ourselves, but all of her family will be with her. What a day that will be. What a time it will be when we look upon the faces of those we love so well. I think of Brother Branham when he went beyond the curtain of time and the great welcoming that he received there from all, from all over the thousands coming down. He said he called them millions, millions of them. Just coming down and each one waiting for their turn to embrace him. Clapping him on the back and said, we knew you were coming. We, we couldn't wait for this day. What a difference that will be when we see our loved ones. Watch what the way they'll be. Afflictions taken away. The mars of suffering will be done. No more pale cheeks of death. No more tears from the eyes. The resurrection promises all of this. There'll be no more funerals. No more patting the baby on the cheek that's like a piece of stone. Where the undertaker's embalmed and pushed out and put paint on to, to, to look natural. It'll never be needed again. Think of that when we're standing with them. We see them yonder. Our loved ones our mothers, our kindreds, our friends, and to see them in immortal bodies, their celestial bodies, watching their character, seeing how they conduct themselves with that sweetness and quietness. No more nervousness or flusterations. Amen. To see them standing standing in the likeness of the, the, the Lord Jesus, that'll be a wonderful day. Amen. Now, as he says, on that resurrection means so much to me. I'm anticipating that great crowning hour. And then as the light begins to spread, we'll know as we are known. We'll understand and we'll remember our acquaintances. Brother Branham said the longer he was there, he said the more I began to recognize Friends that went on, you know, it's, it might be a little difficult if I knew you looking at a certain time and a certain age and I didn't, I, you know, and then I see you young again and see you, you I, I may take me for a moment. Oh yeah, that's him. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's them. I, I, I remember even that really, really vivid dream I had of my mother when she walked in bef- into the room and I could see her in a beautiful white Garment, gown, like it wasn't. It wasn't like a evening gown. It was. It was. It was a dress of some sort, but it was white. That's all I. I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to his make and and so on. I, I just was looking at her, 
And as she walked in the room and I, I, I saw her and I, I, I thought, my, I know her. Somehow I know her. Now, I was born when she was 33 years old. So by the time I remembered her, you know, she was middle age. And yeah, you're middle age at that age. You may not want to admit it, but you're middle age. Timothy had a birthday yesterday, 45. He said, I'm halfway to 90. Help me, Lord. <laughs> so, you know, there, there again, you know, we, as I watched her walk in, and, and I, I, I'm trying to figure out who she is. That woman looks familiar to me. I know her, but who is she? And she, she walks in, and she, she sits down just about as far as from here to that pew from me, and she looks at me, and I... I'm looking at her, and I'm looking for somebody to talk to, and I turn, and Brother Ron Spencer was standing there, and I said, Brother Ron, I I said, that woman, that that lady right over there, I'm kind of whispering to him so she won't hear. I said, that lady right there, she she looks remarkably like my mother. And at that moment, she looked at me, and she said, it is me, Tim. And I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you, you're well thought of over here. And I'm so sorry for all the trouble I caused you. You know, as I looked at her for a moment to help me to see her, all of a sudden her old face, when she was 90 something years old, 90 Let's see, 92 years old. It comes and it meets right back on that body for a minute and lifts back off just so I can, I can identify it exactly. And I look and I look at skin, so beautiful, so young, so, so pretty. I see the familiar wave in her hair, her shoulder-length hair. It's not a fiction. It's not just a fancy story. It's a reality. The Bible tells us. The prophet tells us. And then there are are literally thousands of those with near-death experiences that can tell you the same thing. Amen. But he said that it's a great crowning moment. He said, you know, as the light begins to spread... And we become known as we'll know as we are known. We'll understand and we'll remember our acquaintances and the ones that has been there. And many, and many, there be many there that we didn't even think would be there. Think of that. Many there we didn't think would be there. Are you listening to me? Amen. Brother Zane, listen real close. Amen. For you'll know it's at that time, I believe, that the bread that we cast upon the human troubled waters will return to us on that day. When we see the effects of our testimony on people that we didn't understand their actions toward it will probably be there. What a day that will be. And the seeds that we sowed, not even thinking that what they would do, but here they are. They brought forth precious fruits and we'll see them on that day, the wayward loved ones and relatives. I'm 
full of grace, a God that is full of mercy. And I think of the thousands I've seen converted, yes, to the millions now, going in what their ministry was. And, and oh, it'll take more than a resurrection. It'll take eternity to go around shaking hands and finding things out that I don't know now. There will be those old gray-headed mothers that's, you're wearing those white flowers for today. That's a tradition here in America, you know, where we wear a white flower for, for, a, for a mother. Uh, that has already gone on and they'll be beautiful, not represented by a pot of flower or some gray-headed mother per, or gray-headed person, but in the likeness and the beauty of the resurrection. They'll stand in the likeness of Christ. Their celestial bodies young and beautiful forever. Sure, that's the rest. That's the Mother's Day that I'm waiting for. That's the coronation, not the, the coronation on the, on the lapel, but the coronation uh, of the soul, uh, not the carnation on the lapel, but the coronation of the soul, for God has changed her. I think of my old mother, you know, old and feeble, shaken with palsy. She'll not be doing there that day. Amen. It'll be different. Amen. And the great light begins to spread out as we begin to look around, and the great circle will begin to get greater and greater and greater. And it's all just re reflecting the approach of Jesus. And after a while, as the song said, I shall see Jesus at last. He'll be waiting for me. Jesus, so kind and true on his beautiful throne, he'll welcome me home after this day is through. Then we'll see him, and we'll not be as we are now. We will know how to love him more. Think of that. When we get there, we'll even know how to love him more. We'll not stand back with a little fear because we'll be like him. Amen. He'll be more of a relative to us than he is now. We'll understand him better because we're so far away in these mortal bodies, but then we'll have a body like his glorious body. We'll know how to worship him. And when we see what his presence of his being has done to us, it has changed us, the back, the old, back to young, and all the deformed. Are you listening to me now? All the blemishes, all the deformed. Amen. Straighten out. We'll understand then why his power has healed us. The questions that has been in our minds. And we get questions along the road. We wonder and we question why and why did this happen and why did life turn out like this and how come I went through this tragedy? I've been a, tried to be a real Christian. I tried to stand for the Lord. I did everything to believe. And I, I, I confessed the promises. I did everything. But, you know, again, again, you know, we get questions in our minds. And he says, and, and he said the question that's been in our minds, how can he do it? What would this somehow mysteriously, they'll all fade away. The knots that has been tied in the back of our minds, how will this be? How could it be? Somehow or another, the majestic fingers will just untangle and unravel those knots and it'll all fade away into one big crown of love. 
questions, the wonders, the troubles, the whys, all the tangled knots in your mind. Why is this this way and how could this be and why does this happen that way and why is life so difficult and why, why did that I have such a hard time and why, why was my road and my cross so heavy and why did others seem to have a lighter cross than mine? All the knots, he will take those majestic fingers and will untangle and unravel those knots. And it'll all fade into one big crown of love. It was him who promised this in Revelation 1 that where it said a sharp two-edged sword went out of his mouth. He was called the word of God. It was from them same lips that said, I am he that is alive that was dead and I'm alive forevermore. From those same lips in St. John 6 to 30, it says this, I will lose nothing but I'll raise it up again at the last days. Was made him that made the promise, those same precious lips. He's the one who saves us, who heals us, who redeems us, and who will raise us up at the last day. Now, sitting here today, there may be some of you that's actually the weakest link in your family. Maybe you're not here. Maybe you're only listening in. Maybe you'll hear this months from here. But you're the weakest link in the family. And that weak link, that weakest link that would separate your great family on that day. And you would be missing on that day. May the God of heaven somehow in his majestic and mysterious way unravel all those little knots that is tied in your mind. Is there a God or does he really care for me you know, have I done too much to be saved? Or, you know, have I crossed the line? Or all these other questions or whatever that you went through. You know, why, 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 why did this happen to me? May God unravel those little knots in your mind and reveal to you the love that he has for you and you come sweetly to serve him. Little knots that get tied up in your mind. Because of science, because of the evil age, because of all the doubt, the confusion, the demonic influences, the powers of of evil spirits that predominate this age where that even more has been released in this time, 300 million supernatural demons into this age crowding in as if there hadn't been enough devils already down to the ages. This age gets a lot more. Little knots tied up in your mind, accumulating there, things that says God isn't real or questions his reality or that the message isn't true or the Bible isn't so. Knots in your mind that's caused by others, sometimes even by church members, preachers, friends. Amen. You know that knots that are in the mind of popular opinions of the world. What the great theologians are said or the smart minds are. Brother Brennan would say, let them unravel this morning by the immortal 
as he vibrates across the words of God's Bible like a well-tuned instrument to sing the rhythm, I am he that was dead and is alive forevermore. And a little while the world sees me no more, yet you will see me, for I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. And it shall come to pass. Oh, listen, he say, that is singing out of every scripture. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit. Upon all flesh and signs and wonders, the old men will dream dreams and young men shall see visions. The signs of the latter rain and the end time, let it be felt among us. Yes. Hallelujah. This, this outpouring of the Holy Ghost, this final outpouring where he began to pour it out on the day of Pentecost and he empties it into a people in this last day. Come on. Amen, the great outpouring of the Spirit that will lift the bride off the earth into glory. Let it bring you to a filling of the Spirit that resurrects you from dead works to serve the living God. I think of these knots sometimes that are in people's minds. Preachers trying to convince them, twisting their minds to, well, we're not to get excited about this. You know, it's just to be sane and sensible. No, we don't want anybody to shout. You know, all this emotion is not wanted and and is not needed. It's not needed and certainly not wanted. You know, I I hear Brother Branham talk about this. As we look at this, I think think there, there, there are those who are excited. They are thrilled. They are zealous. They're on fire. Amen. 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 What, what else do we want to see our young people do? Amen. What else would we want to see them excited about? Yes. Someone they're just excited. Well, what do you want to see them excited about? Yes. Amen. Well, if they're just excited about Jesus, isn't that something worth being excited about? I was at youth camp here some years ago and a young man came. Uh, uh, he wasn't a believer at all. And, but he heard some of his friends online was coming and he wanted to come to the same youth camp. You know, they was just going to have a good time. He didn't know it was church. So he, he comes there. And the young man that had invited him got him to come. He says, he is number three in the world for certain video games. And they're excited about it. He's made the top three in the world playing and practicing and winning a video game. And they're excited about it. They're thrilled. They think it's great. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I say, la-di-da. Yeah. What kind of accomplishment is that? What kind of accomplishment is that for young men? You can't stay awake in church because you're up all night, you know, playing some stupid video game. And you won. What did you win? A sleepless night. Lost time. Worthless. Wasted moments. And then, you know, that's all going on and then somebody gets upset because somebody gets excited about a real gospel that changes real lives. Hallelujah.
hallelujah, that sets young people on fire. Amen. That makes them want to live right and act right and do right. Come on now. Amen. And, and so, you know, again, you know, down, down in, in when they were leaving Egypt, there was a bunch that left Egypt, a mixed multitude. And there was a bunch of them that just would not believe no matter how many signs and waters, you would think they would be convinced when they seen God open a Red Sea and God bring food out of the heavens and God pour water out of a rock. Amen. When God would, uh, would put up a, a brazen serpent and heal all of the serpent bites and, and win their battles and do mighty things and the thunders and the roaring upon the mountains. But they wouldn't believe. No matter what, they wouldn't believe. But you know, unbelief does not hinder God. It only hinders the unbeliever. God was going to have somebody that was going to take the lamb. Amen. You can be a deadhead if you want to. You can be an old and died in the wool all you want to. But I'll tell you, in that moment, God will raise up a new generation. When you say it ain't that it's impossible to live for God. When you say, oh, the Holy Ghost won't keep you. It, won't, it is not a power of God into salvation. It won't keep you from drinking and smoking and adultery and pornography. When you say we can't take the land, there's gonna be a generation of young people. Amen, that they got a fire in their bosom. They got a desire in their heart. And they're going to press the battle. And they're going to go on over Jordan. They're going to take every divine promise. Brother Branham told us God had to wait until the fighters all died off. And he started with a new generation. Under the leadership of Joshua. Now, Joshua is not Tim Pruitt. Joshua is the Holy Ghost. Under the leadership of, of, of Joshua, who believed the word, amen, he took them to the promised land. Oh, God, here's Brother Brandon's prayer. May this young generation of Pentecostals get the vision. See, they went on to the promised land we, where we ought to be where we have all kinds of gifts of God. And that's, uh, that's 1963 after the seals, by the way. Yep. Oh, may this young generation, yes. who he called Pentecostals, get the vision. Amen. They went on to the promised land. We ought to be where Amen. we have all kinds of gifts of God. Amen. 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 I tell you what, I wouldn't be satisfied wherever I was short of anything God has. Amen. No, tongues and gifts is not the Holy Ghost. They are gifts of the Spirit. But if they're his gifts, you're telling me you don't want them? Amen. No, they, they don't come every time somebody get the Holy Ghost. You don't speak in tongues every time you get the Holy Ghost. But if you, I hear a prophet saying, if you laid under the altar of God long enough, sooner or later you would. Amen. I hear an apostle Paul saying, I would that you all spoke with tongues. It must not be too bad. 
Amen. I hear a prophet of God called Paul saying, despise not prophesying. Amen. I, I, hear, I hear him speaking of things that are laying in the word and, and many are claiming, well, we've already, we're already past that. You never achieved that. How can you get past something you've never been to yet? Amen. You're still in an age or two beyond that, back in Methodist or Baptist, with a cold, formal profession instead of a real, genuine baptism of the Spirit. Wow, you say, well, Brother Tim, you're just trying to get people enthused. Well, you know, I happen to heard a prophet of God say in the last year of his life, we must never lose our enthusiasm for this resurrection. Amen. We must never lose our enthusiasm. And we're preaching about the most greatest event in all the world. Not that he was crucified, but he rose. Hallelujah. But not that he just rose and went to heaven, but he shared the benefits of it by coming down in your life so that because that he lives, you live also. That the life that he has become lives out of your life. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's not a separate God. It's the same God in spirit form. It's Jesus. Come back again. That's why he's here and he's coming. He's here in the form of the Holy Spirit, but he's coming in a corporal body. We will meet him in the air. That's what believers believe. There is a real Jesus. He is in the heavens. He is there. It was proved over and again by the prophet's ministry. He's still the high priest that can be touched by the feelings of your infirmities. Amen. After preaching, who is this Melchizedek in 1965? A mystery revealed because the seals was open. Brother Branham would say, I want to still show you he's still the high priest and you can touch him. Amen. Amen. And people were called out because their faith touched God. And God spoke back through the prophet to them. And he said, who did they touch? Amen. They're, they're, They're 30, 40 feet from me. They couldn't touch me. They touched the high priest. Oh, I'm so glad today we can still touch the high priest. Whoever liveth. Amen. Whoever liveth to make intercession on our confessions. So we should never lose our enthusiasm for the resurrection. Go tell. Go go tell my disciples. Well, I kind of want you guys to know the one we buried, he's, you know, they put a stone over him. and Yeah. And, you know, he actually raised up out of there. I don't know how, but he did. That's not the way they told. They went screaming, shouting, rejoicing from the tomb. He's not dead. He's risen. I met an angel. The stone is rolled away. There is no God in that tomb. He raised. 
raised from the dead. He ever lives. I saw him. I bowed at his feet. Amen. He called my name Mary. Hallelujah. Amen. With excitement, they were telling about it. I can imagine the wild screams and the shouts as they went back to the city to tell what they had seen. And if you ever really see he's resurrected because that he comes in your life too. Because you've met him too. Hallelujah. Amen. That you know he's not in just sealed up in some tomb of religion, but he rose out of there. Come on, church. Amen. The seals were broken off of him. The mysteries was revealed of him. And here he comes to show himself as the resurrected one. Coming into you to make you the resurrected people. Go tell, shout it out. Let the world know he's not dead, he's alive. And also, and also, as exciting as that is, this is equally exciting. I also, who was dead in sins and trespasses, he hath made me alive. Amen. Don't tell. Amen. Let me tell you what I know. What he's done for me. I was dead. But he made me alive. Amen. I saw the deadness of religion. I saw the pretending of them that he's alive. But I witnessed. Amen. I'm an eyewitness. He is not dead. He's not a denominational figure or a fiction. He is a living, resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. He lives. And he said, because that I live, I'm going to share my resurrection with you. You will live also. Now, Brother Branham told us just before he leaves in September, he said, you know, the trouble of it is we Pentecostal people, we've lost our joy. We've lost our emotions. He said, that's our trouble. Hear it around the world right now. That's your trouble. You've lost your emotions. You've lost your joy. You're telling an old drab story of some denominational fiction. Oh, yeah, he raised from the dead. He died. But you've never experienced it. You've never met him. You're just telling what somebody else tells. So it's not exciting to you. We've lost our joy. We've lost our emotion. Billy Graham said the other night, them preachers' collars turned around, going down south, clapping their hands, beating their feet up and down the ground, stomping. They had something they were happy about. Well, yeah, I've got something I'm happy about. See, yeah, yeah, we have lost our emotion. He tells us in the message thirst. He says, when he's speaking of a thirst for God, he tries to tell us, don't satisfy it with the world. Don't satisfy it. You say, oh, Brother Branham, I've shouted once. I've danced in spirit. Don't take that. Wait till that satisfaction comes. That satisfaction portion of the fullness of the spirit comes in. And and when then, then these joy bells of shouting, 
and speaking in tongues and dancing in the spirit will come. You won't have to do it by the music. You'll do it when you're going down the road in your car. You'll do it when you're sweeping the floor. You'll do it when you're driving the nails in the walls with your carpenter work. Wherever you are, that joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. It won't be just in church. That joy will go with you in the car. As you're hearing the songs or as you're just praying and worshiping and you're just going down and your mind's turned to him, it'll cut out. Hallelujah. Amen. That glory of seeing the resurrected Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, that's glorious. Go tell. As Brother Bradham said, and this is a quote that Brother Ben Pruitt didn't read, but he quoted the other day. Did a wonderful job paraphrasing it, actually. He said, no man has a right to preach the gospel. No, man, no person has a right to call themselves a Christian until they can go back in a certain time in their life where they can come on that sacred sands at the backside of the deserts where they know they have met God. And all the infidels in the world and intellectual giants taking the Bible, explaining away all the days of miracles, their past. There's no such things as divine healing, all this stuff, like speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and gifts of healing, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, intellectual giants can come along and they can slip in and take your mind and twist you in such a way until they can actually take those things from your memory. They'll point you to, to other things. Well, you know, and make it, well, it happened in the prophet's day, but it can't happen today. But he said, I want you to get this. If a man ever stood on the sacred sands of the backside of the desert, when he meets God face to face, there's not enough devils in all of hell that could take that away from him. He knows he met God. He knows he had an experience. He talked to God regardless of what that opposition is. He can say, from that time, something changed me. So intellectual giants can, can may be able to take away the memory of what God did for you by explaining it away and twisting your mind around. Tying it up in knots. Amen. Saying the days of miracles are past. But they can't steal the change that the pillar of fire brought to you on those sacred sands. Amen. They might twist you around in your mind for a moment, but they can't steal the change. Amen. God made the change in your life. These knots they try to put in your mind, twisting the quotes around in the scriptures, saying the Holy Ghost we receive is only just emotion. Oh, they're not getting the Holy Ghost. They're just getting emotional. That youth camp down there, why, they have that, and them kids just get emotional. Well, I know some, they got emotional and it didn't last. Well, I know some got emotional and it did last. Amen. I know a lot got an intellectual conception and nothing lasted. 
Today, the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious groups have tried to prove, this is your prophet, that to prove that this blessed thing that we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. See, you just don't stand up to their scientific theory. Well, I'd like to ask them this. What makes them change? What makes the drunkard stop drinking? Hallelujah. What makes the prostitute cease her life? Her evil life. What makes that cancer and diseases depart from the people and the deaf and the dumb and the blind and the dead to raise up? Explain that. Is that emotion? It has emotion with it, certainly. Hallelujah. Amen. Anything he said that's alive has emotions. And anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. Excuse the expression, but I think we ought to bury some of our emotionless religion. Then because it is dead, it has no emotion to it. Any religion that has not got emotion should be buried, uh uh-huh, because it is emotional. Jesus, when he entered the city, the children and all of them, all his friends cried, Hosanna, him that cometh in the name of the Lord. And those religionists of that day couldn't stand it. It was too emotional. And he said, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Something must cry out because life was there. Amen. I want to ask you what happened to that 13-year-old boy, Andrew Glover. Everybody know him? Amen. Who got the Holy Ghost at youth camp. Amen. Was that only emotion? No. Amen. The Holy Ghost is not emotion, but but the experience of receiving it is emotional. Hallelujah. You know, there's a lot of people jump that don't get it. Amen. You don't jump to get it. You jump because you got it. Amen. You don't shout to get it. You shout because you got it. Amen. You you don't cry to get it, but you'll cry when you get it. Amen. Amen. You see, it's something there. It's not emotion, but it brings emotion with it. I was told of a young man who testified of being sound, of being saved from drowning. And when he does, he gets emotional about it. Amen. The event changed his life. He's never been the same. He was almost dead. Amen. And, and he was saved. And he, when he thinks about it again, you know, it, it, it makes him emotional. And you see, the emotion didn't save him. I'm sure he, while he was drowning, he got real emotional. Help me, help me, save me, save me. Go down, middle, middle, middle. I back up, middle, middle. help, help, middle, middle, middle. help, help. He was emotional. He probably was crying, shouting, everything else. Amen. But that did not save him. The emotion didn't save him. What saved him was the act of somebody who rescued him. But when he got saved, he sure was thankful. And just thinking about it again made him emotional. Hallelujah. It isn't that that saves us, even though sometimes people need to cry out. Amen. They say, Jesus, I'm perishing. They need to get desperate before God. Amen. They need to call him on the scene. They need to say, Lord, I am perishing. I am lost. I need a savior. But when he comes and saves them, they can get up and say, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. Thank you for the blood. I feel so clean. I am so different. 
emotion didn't bring Jesus from the grave. And emotion didn't keep him from the grave. But his resurrection caused great emotions of joy. Come on now. Amen. In fact, to the matter, it was even sensational to Jesus. When he raised from the grave, it was a sensational moment. His body sensed it. It came to life. It had feeling in it again. It could eat again. Amen. He could also walk through that wall. Amen. He could also travel like a thought. Amen. It was a glorified body. Amen. It was sensational. Come on. Amen. And and when they saw that he was raised, it caused great emotions of joy and it caused great excitement to tell the good news. He's not dead. Amen. But he's alive. He's risen from the dead. You see, he's the mighty conqueror. And he's not just a conqueror of 2,000 years ago. He's still a conqueror. He conquered pornography. How many young people in here can raise their hand? Say, I know he conquers pornography. How many of the rest of you can raise your hand and say, I know he does? Amen. Amen. Even if you never had the problem, you know he does it. You've seen it happen. Amen. He conquers pornography. He conquers adultery. He conquers drugs. He conquers alcohol. Amen. He conquers tobacco. He conquers every other kind of sin. Hallelujah. He's a mighty conqueror. He's my conqueror. He conquered in my life. Amen. He conquered my pride. He conquered my ambition. He conquered my desire. He conquered my sin. He conquered my waywardness. He's the mighty conqueror. Hallelujah. He conquered the devils that were in my life. Amen. He conquered. He's the mighty conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the thing. Let me tell you, we're not going to this service today to honor the dead. We are here in this service to honor the living. We are not here honoring the dead conqueror. We are here honoring a living conqueror. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. He's in my life. I know he's alive. He's risen within me. And because he lives, I live. Let these others hail a dead conqueror. I am not hailing a dead conqueror. Hallelujah. I'm not paying honor to the dead. Amen. But I'm worshiping and hailing him as a mighty conqueror. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He conquered sin. He conquered sickness. We're not here hailing somebody who died 2,000 years ago and lived a good life, but a Christ that is a risen Christ and is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We are here hailing a conqueror that healed brain bleeds. Amen. That healed seizures. Amen. That healed, come on somebody, that healed cancer, that made babies walk again. Amen. That made, that made the blind to see, that it opened up the death years. Come on. I'm not talking about 50 years ago. I'm talking about a living conqueror. Somebody that's present in our midst today. 
God said, Brother Tim, preach your age. I am preaching my age. I am eternal. I came from God. I'm going back to God. I know who I am. Eternal life lives on the inside. I'm forever young. Hallelujah. My body don't know it yet, but it will. might get a little emotional, but if you feel the way I feel, if you know what I know, if you met who I met, you get emotional too. If you were drowning like I was, if you were in sin like I was, if you know what a savior she is, hallelujah, I can tell what he's done for me. Well, Brother Tim, you're just one of those who want to preach the people happy. Well, I'll tell you what, we're happy because in his death, he made us heir to all things. Amen. Since the last will and testament is not in effect until the one who made the will died, he had to die to make it, to bring the scriptures in effect for me and you. You see, Brother Tim, Brother Timothy preached on being of the same house, of the house of Abraham, being born in that house. We couldn't as Gentiles, but through his death, through the royal seed, amen, then we could be born again as a royal seed of Abraham and then heir to every promise that is written to Abraham and his seed. Hallelujah. So read the Old Testament. Amen. It's to Abraham and his seed. Amen. Read what the Bible said. It's to Abraham and his seed. We are heirs to it. Is that right? Now, again, it's not in effect until the one who made the will dies. You see, when my, you know, a year or more before Sister Karen passed away, we kind of settled some of our estates, and I wrote out a will to her. She wrote out a will to me. But that piece of paper was worthless as long as she was alive. Amen. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't get something I didn't already own because, you know, me and her together owned the estate. Amen. What was hers was mine, and what was mine was hers. Amen. But she, she would wield everything to me, and I wield everything to her. But it was not of effect until she died. Now, now, what makes us happy is not because he died. That don't make me happy. It makes me sorrowful when I think of how he died. When I think of the awful cost. But in dying, he bequeathed to us all that heaven owns. Amen. And he made us a joint heir with him. But when he rose from the dead, amen, he came to enforce the division of the inheritance. Amen. You know, there again, so because he lives that he can share his life with us by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we have life also because he lives, we live and everything he had is ours. So the same word that spoke to the groom speaks also of the bride and as the groom fulfills the Old Testament, the bride fulfills the new covenant, last will and testament. 
And this inheritance makes me very happy. Amen. Now, so this inheritance makes me happy. And my happiness is not temporary. Because nothing can take it away. Amen. Glory to God. The inheritance makes me happy. And my happiness is not temporary. Because nothing can take my happiness away. No trial, no test, no problem. Because I own everything he has. Come on now, church. Amen. You know, the, the, the right of inheritance is really real. Amen. Go, get, go back under to my desk and bring me my wallet. The right of inheritance is really real. It is. You know, when my, when, when, I had a birthday here some years ago. My young grandson, Luke, you know him and Andrew, they watched me as I, I, I got a beautiful knife for my birthday. I think my son had given it to me. And so, you know, I unwrapped it and was revealing and reveling in, in its beauty. And it was a handmade knife and the craftsmanship. And I was just looking at it and admiring it. And back in my room, I had a little place where I, I put all my knives. I'm not a big collector, but I have a few. And so, as, as, we, as we did, you know, with this, as, as I... I un- unraveled it and whatever. I decided, well, I, well, I'll go put my knife up in the collection. So as I did, my two young grandsons, Andrew and, and, and Luke, walks in behind me and they want to see Papa's knife collection. So I'm showing them this knife and that knife. And, you know, you know, I got this one here and I got this one. And this one came from Russia and this one came here. And I collected this one from so-and-so. Luke is about seven, eight years old and he looks at me with all sincerity and he said, Papa, he said, you do know when you die, we're getting all of this. <laughs> you say, Luke knew, Luke knew that, you know, that because, you know, that he would, would, couldn't inherit this till I died. And we could not inherit all the promises of the Gentiles. We were, we were aliens We were outcasts of the family of God. We had no right. Come on. We had no right to Isaiah's prophecy. We had no rights to the promised Messiah. We didn't have a right to Jesus himself. But when he died, hallelujah, he left to us a will. Hallelujah, a new covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant. And it's not going to be on paper. I'm going to write it in your life. I'm going to write it in your nature. I'm going to write it in your mind. You'll never get away from it. Everywhere you go, it'll be a part of your nature. It'll be a part of your life. And I'll cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you know... Andrew's got a birthday coming up. Andrew, come up here. Yeah. I don't even have to die to get this. 
but my grandson's going to get a birthday present. Amen. You can't wipe the smile off of this face. He can smile. There's some joy. There's some happiness. His happiness, he's got a papa that loves him and a papa that give him some, a gift, a nice gift. Amen. Oh, my. Now, it's not as nearly as big a gift if he'd have been a seven-year-old, but you know at 17 years old, it's still a nice gift, 100 bucks. Amen. What was it? He got a gift from me, and because now the gift actually caused him to be happy. Now, what God does is that he gives you a portion of himself. Thank you, Andrew. He gives you a portion of himself, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a great, listen, I gave him $100, but I didn't give him me. But when you get the gift from God, you don't get a tongue, you don't get a shout, you get the person. You get all that he is and all that he's worth and every promise that he has and every commandment he made, it's all yours. It's all yours. And I tell you, since I got it, you can't wipe the smile off of my face. Hallelujah. You can't take the joy out of my heart. You might twist my mind around and try to say it's for another age, but I know different. Hallelujah, because I've had the experience of receiving him into my life. Brother Branham tells us, so what makes you happy? You can keep standing, the musicians can come. So what makes you happy? I've got a right to be. Amen, how do you know? Because I'm an heir to it. Amen, true, I feel religious. Hallelujah, that's what happens around here. When we shout, we're feeling religious. And our religion ain't dead. Our religion is alive because he's alive. What makes you happy? I've got a right to be. How do I know I'm an heir to it? Amen. Now I feel religious. I'm an heir to happiness. I'm an heir to joy. I'm an heir to peace. I'm an heir to eternal life. I'm an heir to the Holy Spirit. I'm an heir to every evidence is God. I'm an heir to the authority of God. Who made you that? Not me. He made me. And every one of you is an heir to the same thing. An heir to the throne. He that overcometh shall sit with me on my throne as I've overcome and sat on my Father's throne. Amen. An heir of all things. Not just one thing. Say it with me. All things. Everything's under your feet. Even death is under your feet. The grave is under your feet. Hell is under your feet. Sin is under your feet. Everything is under your feet. Oh, hallelujah. Now, he's not just the conqueror. But now I'm the conqueror. Hallelujah, because now it's under my feet. Now I can say, I was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore. I've got the keys to Satan's Eden. It can't hold me. The gates of hell cannot prevail against me. I'm the age, I'm the people, I'm the, hallelujah, the people of the book. I'm the people of the promise. Come on. Hallelujah. The inheritance is mine. Every bit of it is mine. The joy is mine. Amen. The happiness is mine. The authority of God is mine. Divine healing is mine. Salvation for my children is mine. Every promise in 
the book is mine. Hallelujah. And he died to put it in the forest. And he rose again to put it in the forest in me. And the old Tim Pruitt died too. But now I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys. I can unlock every chain the devil tries to put on me. Or put on his children. That's why I've seen in his name we cast out devils. In his name we speak with new tongues. We speak heaven's language. Heavenly language. Brother Branham told us it would bring forth genuine tongues and genuine new tongues. It's the quickening power. It's the Holy Ghost. You're an heir. This outpouring is promised. Don't quench it. Don't put it to another age. You know, we're running out of time. We ain't got another age. We're in the last days, little children. Time to press with everything that's within you. Surrender your life. Surrender your all. Brother Branham said, I am an heir to all things, both seen, present, future, to everything. I'm an heir to. And he had to die so we could get this. But he didn't stay dead. He came back to enjoy that life with us and in us. Now the thoughts in your minds, you're trying to unravel. The troubles... Just realize there's a lot of those tangles that are there that maybe you don't will never understand in this life. But when you stand there with the redeemed of all ages, when joy, when you when you realize that your message wasn't in vain, when I stand there, you know I. In, in, in this church right now, I, I, I met a little sister, Sister Erica up there. There and their family has come down to be a part with us. And little Sister Erica in 1993 came to a youth camp. And this little short, black-headed preacher came out and preached. And the Holy Spirit moved. She got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that meeting. I never knew that till the other day when I met her. Then I found out the fruits of that service. Even though it was only just one, there were probably many. But when we get over there, people you rub shoulders with. Hey, coach. I thought you were just a Baptist boy. I, I didn't know you might would make it. Well, Aaron, it was your testimony. 
that made me seek for something more real than what I had. Knots in your mind. I tried my best. I did all I could. Maybe you raised your children right and they ain't done, turned out right. Commit them to God. You sowed, you're going to reap. It's the law of God. Trust, believe. You're an heir. Brother Branham told us often, he said, there'll be people there you never thought would have made it. Well, Brother Tim, we, you didn't preach doctrine like we did, and you didn't, you didn't dot every I and cross every T. I didn't think you'd make it. Well, i tell you how I made it. It was amazing grace. And if you make it, it's going to be amazing grace. Grace that is absolutely amazing. One thing our prophet told us, when I went beyond the curtain of time, he said, they told me there, no one can enter here without perfect love. And perfect love is what you priest is, the Holy Ghost. You know, because that's God's divine nature. It's his divine life. And his very essence of his beings is love. And you made a million mistakes. And he still loved you. And he reached so far down that he would leave all of heaven and come to earth and go to hell for you. Because he didn't want heaven without you. I want them there. It's not going to be heaven even to me. Without my children there, he says. There'll be none of them lost. Man, I counted, I sat down with, across from the table doing my taxes. He said, I I don't believe in hell. I said, well, sorry, but there is one. Well, he said, I just can't believe a loving father would send any of his children to hell. I said, I can't either. I said, there won't be one of his children in hell. I said, hell never was made for us. Heaven was made for us. I go to prepare a place for you, and I'll come again, and I'll receive you to myself. But in order for you to be ready, you've got to have some firepower. Even beyond what you've worked down to the ages. Even what you've seen beyond this. 
It'll be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. A sound from heaven pouring out the Holy Ghost. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Don't you want that refilling? Don't you say, Lord, I've experienced you, but I just want more of you. I just want more of you than what I've ever known, Lord. I want to experience you in a greater way. Don't leave me where I am. I don't want to stay here. Draw me nearer to you, God. Speak to me. Take me higher. Purge me. Whatever you got to do. Even take the dearest thing to me. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever I've got to do. To press the last mile. To press the last mile. I'm not going to walk alone. Because he said, I'll be your comfortess. I'll come to you. I'll be with you. I'll be even in you to the end of the world. Won't you let him in today? You see, it takes a complete surrender. I don't even know how to surrender, Brother Tim. I don't know. I don't know how to do what you said. Well, you see, in the door of the heart, people want to open it and say, well, just save me from hell. But there's other little doors. The door of pride, selfishness, temper. I don't know what all the doors are in your house, but Jesus got to have access to every one of them. He won't be welcome with one door closed. You see why? His relationship to you is like a husband to a wife. She cannot hold back anything. So ask him, Lord, please don't just stand there at the door of my heart. Some of me is just on the outside. Some maybe you let him in just a little bit. Won't you let him in all the way? Make a full surrender. The more that you'll surrender, the more he'll take control. Father, take the words that we spoke today. Let them find a resting place in the hearts of your children. Deal with every heart, Lord, according to the need there. Speak to them. Reveal yourself, I ask. In Jesus' name, take all our sins away, Lord. Forgive us of our shortcomings. If we stood in the presence of the Almighty God, where angels look dirty in His presence, then surely, Lord, I could not come in Your presence without an intercessor. I could not come in your presence without the man Christ Jesus paying the debt that I owed. Who not only saves me, but keeps me from sin. I pray, Lord, you'll do it, Father. Cover us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give us your desire.
church for all eternity long and find there is none like you there is none like you oh there is none like you Decision. I'm going on.